Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. So often when we come to church, we kind of uh, almost leave our brains at the door. But I want you to keep your brains today. All right? And in fact, I want to start with a question. Don't, Don't say it out loud, but I want you to answer this question in your mind. What is Christianity? In your mind, you say, okay, what is this, this, this thing that I'm in? Christianity, what is it? What does it mean? Well, first I want to talk to you about a few things that it's not. Right? And first of all, in, in a lot of people's minds, uh, Christianity is a religion, and it, and it really it, it's a certain compartment in your life. Uh, it's like, this is my, my spiritual side. This is for Sundays and funerals and baptisms and marriages. Right? And that's the religious part of my life. And then there's my real life. Then there's my other life. There's my job, my friendships, my marriage, my entertainment, my sex life. All this other stuff is over here. And then there's this religious side over here. Now, now let me just say this, that that is not what Christianity is. In fact, when Jesus comes, he comes as Lord or he comes as King, really. And uh, he does not want half of your heart. He wants all of your heart, 24-7. In fact, he says, if any one of you wants to be my follower, he must give up his own way and take up his cross and follow me. Now, you know, today a cross is kind of a pretty thing. You know, we, girls might hang them around their neck and you might have one on your Bible. But the cross was a means of crucifixion. It was a means of death and, and uh, not a pretty means of death. Perhaps the, the most gruesome form of death that mankind has ever come up with. So it's not, Christianity is not just a spiritual side where you've got your real life over here and your spiritual life over there. Secondly, Christianity is not a religion. Now you think, I'm sure it is, but it's not. Because this is what religion is. Religion is what men do in order to reach out to God. They, they say, I do this, and I do this, and I sacrifice this, and I do these good works, and I don't do this, and this, and this, and I do this, and this. All right? And it's man trying to reach out and please God. There, there are literally thousands of religions, different ways of men trying to do that. But Christianity is different than every one of them because Christianity is not man reaching to God. It's God reaching to man. It's God initiated, not man initiated. And then Christianity is not a philosophy. And this is important. All right? Now, you can have a philosophy or a worldview from Christianity. In fact, you should have a Christian worldview or philosophy. But philosophy in itself is limited to the realm of ideas and thoughts. All right, so I actually have a doctorate in, in uh, philosophy, but it's just about thinking, it's about your ideas, right? But your salvation is not based on ideas. See, Jesus went to a real cross 
And they put real nails in his hands and in his feet. There was a real spear that was put into his side. And he died a real death and was put in a real tomb. And he arose and there is an empty tomb just outside the walls of Jerusalem today. So you were not saved by ideas or by thoughts. You were saved by acts, by something that really took place. In fact, I think it's interesting, the first sermon that's ever preached in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches, and then this is what the people say. They say, what shall we do? Not just think, not just have some ideas, but what shall we do? How many know faith without works is, it's dead, it's dead. So Christianity is not just a philosophy. And then, of course, it's not a political party. <laughs> uh, I know people who think you can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. And I know Democrats who think you can't be a Christian and be a Republican. Wow. Think about that. But listen, so it's not a political party. But we are called to be salt and light. And Christianity has to influence the political process. However, listen, the purpose of Christianity and the purpose of a political party are the same. Think about that. They're the same. You say, what, what is that? Change the world. See, in, in Acts chapter 17, the apostles arrive in a city and the people start crying out and they say, those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. What did, the Christian, what did Christianity do? It turned the world. Well, actually, it turned it right side up because it was already upside down. Right? But what does Christianity want to do? We want to change the world. We want to change the world. But not through the political process, but through the gospel. In fact, every time the church forgets this, it's a disaster. Look at the Crusades if you're wondering what we're talking about. All right? Then, Christianity is not a success program. <laughs> Uh, Americans can, can commercialize and sell about anything. Right? And it's interesting how some people have literally taken the gospel and, and consumerized it and made it a self-improvement product. Right? But what the gospel does is it changes who you are and who you belong to and who and what you live for. But it's not a self-improvement project. So what is Christianity? Right. There's only one real answer, right? And we get the answer from Jesus. But Christianity is a kingdom. It's not like a kingdom. It is a kingdom. And every other view is insufficient. When Jesus came, this is what he preached. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, he said, he said, it's here right now, and you can participate right now. The message Bible, Jesus said, time's up. God's kingdom's here. Change your life. Rethink your life. Why? Because God's kingdom is here. The prophets in the Old Testament all prophesied about the kingdom, and the Father promised the Son a kingdom. When the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, he said, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom 
there will be no end. Jesus is preaching, repent for the kingdom. Not a religion, not a philosophy, not a morality, not a self-improvement program. Change your life, Jesus said. God's kingdom is here. And literally, all that Jesus ever did was taught about how to live in the kingdom. In Acts, the first chapter, he's risen from the dead. He spends 40 days with his disciples. And the Bible says he talked to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus said to his disciples, Luke 22, he said, And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed a kingdom upon me. What did Jesus leave us? A He said he left us a kingdom in Acts chapter 8. But when they believed Philip's preaching, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. What did they preach? They preached the kingdom. In fact, Jesus said this. He's talking with Nicodemus a very religious, one of the religious rulers of Israel. And Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Now, if you're not born again and you look at Christianity, you think, oh, it's a religion. It's a morality. It's a philosophy, right? But you don't recognize what it really is. Christianity is just one thing. It is a kingdom. Jesus taught us to pray and said, your kingdom come. Now, here is the, 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 the biggest error in Western Christianity today. Is we think Christianity is about getting us to heaven. It's not. Now, if you're a Christian, you're going. But Jesus didn't say, I came to get you to heaven. He came to get the kingdom in you now. He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom is when God's will is done on earth today in your life and in my life just the same as it is in heaven. All right? Now, the mystery of the kingdom, because Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. All right? So the kingdom's here. Jesus' original message is time's up. God's kingdom is here. But also, the kingdom is coming. All right? It's here now. And we are literally what theologians refer to is in this dispensation of grace. It's the time when people can voluntarily become a part of the kingdom. You can say, I, I want to have Jesus as the king, the Lord of my life, and receive him as your king. And when you do, you become a part of his kingdom. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that you are translated out of the kingdom of darkness. That's Satan's kingdom. Into the kingdom of the son of his love. I've never, I've never seen Star Trek. Anybody? You know when they go, beam me up, Scotty? <laughs> they just show up. That's literally what happens when you get saved. All right? You get translated out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of the son of his love. Jesus said, you know, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So it's here now. 
but it's an eternal kingdom. Right? And the day will come, because this is the time of grace when anyone can volunteer, but the day will come when the kingdom will be enforced. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, one of the things that we tend to do is we tend to look at the Gospels and we see Jesus as he comes as a suffering servant. John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' first coming, right? he came as a lamb. But the next time he comes, he comes as a lion. He comes as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, listen, this is, this is something most Christians don't, don't understand. Right? This is Psalms 110. This is Jesus coming back. And the Lord is at your right hand, and he will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill the place with dead bodies, and he will execute the heads of many nations. That's Jesus coming back. Not as a lamb, but as a lion. The Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. Right? There is a kingdom, and he's the king. Right? And he's coming back to rule and to reign, but today is the time of grace. Today is the time when anyone can volunteer and join that kingdom. Right? In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that you are an ambassador for Christ. You and I are supposed to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Now, that's the introduction. So I got a short message coming up. All right. Matthew chapter 13. Well, it's not so short. We'll get just however much we get, okay? Matthew 13, Jesus gives us seven parables about the kingdom. Right? The parable of the sower the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven, the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, the dragnet. Now, every one of them, this is what he says. He says, the kingdom of God is like. Not Christianity is like a kingdom, but the kingdom is like. Right? Jesus wants us to understand the kingdom. Right? And again, in our mentality, so often we think Christianity is just about our getting away from here and going to heaven. But Jesus' mentality was that the kingdom was supposed to come now, all right? And then eventually, we come back with him, and that kingdom is established eternally. Remember, the Bible says that he will reign forever and ever, all right? So he says the kingdom of God is like, again, not Christianity is like a kingdom, but the kingdom of God is like and uh, we need to think of Christianity as our relationship with God as a kingdom. He's our king, all right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. He tells the parable of the sower. Now, it's interesting. Jesus said about this parable. He said, if you can understand this parable, he says, you can understand all of them. He says, if you can't understand this one, he says, you won't understand any of them. So this is like the granddad of the parables. And he says that a sower goes out and sows. Now, I think it's interesting. We're going to look at it in a minute. <clears throat> he said he sows the seed of the kingdom. <clears throat> Again, every time Jesus is talking, he's talking about the kingdom and how to live in the kingdom. He says some of that seed falls on a path. Some of it on stony ground, and it's shallow. Some of it in thorns. <clears throat> Excuse me. It grows up, and it's choked. And some falls on good soil 
and it produces 160 or 30 fold. And he takes his disciples aside and he explains this parable to them. In the 19th verse, Matthew 13, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, remember, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom is God's will being done now, the kingdom coming now, right? The, the gospel of just go to heaven is not the gospel of the kingdom, right? Now, do we go to heaven? Absolutely, all right? But that's not the gospel of the kingdom. He said when he doesn't understand it, the wicked one, the devil comes, and he snatches it what was sown in his heart, all right? So there is, listen, another kingdom. There's the kingdom of God, but there is another kingdom. And that's the kingdom where Satan rules, right? The kingdom of God is motivated by love, by righteousness, by peace, and joy. But Satan's kingdom, what's under his control, is motivated by lust, greed, and pride. Now, this, will, this, will, this verse uh, tends to shock people because I want you to listen carefully. 1 John 5, 19. We know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power, the control, the sway of the wicked one. The whole world around us is under the power of the wicked one. That's Satan. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible calls Satan the God of this age, right? Small g, small g, the God of this age or this world. In John 14, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. Speaking of the devil, it's amazing to me how many things God gets blamed for when the devil is the God of this age, all right? In Ephesians 2, it says, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So Satan also has a kingdom, all right? And we're translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of the son of his love. Jesus saves those who by faith receive him as their king and enter into the kingdom of God, all right? So those that hear it along the path, they don't understand it or they reject it. Satan comes, steals it from their heart, and they don't know. They don't realize they have just missed the greatest possible treasure they could ever have in this life or the next. We hope they have another opportunity. And unfortunately, so often, the way people come into the kingdom is when there's some sort of a failure, some sort of a trial, uh, some sort of circumstances where, where they look at their life and they say, I need help. I need a savior. I need someone to come and rescue me, right? So then Jesus gives us three other types of people. One are people who get offended and quit. The second group are people who get seduced back into the world and they fall away. And the third group, they keep following Jesus and they produce fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. Now I want to ask you, which are you? Because Jesus said, if you're not the one who Satan steals the word, he said, you have three possible futures. You can be seduced, fall away. You can be offended and fall away. Or you can produce fruit. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, I've been doing this 
Christian for 45 years. Not one time in 45 years has ever, anybody ever come up to me and said, Pastor, I'm one of them people that get offended and fall away. Nobody ever says that. Everybody says, oh, I'm one of those that's going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. You know? Well, the truth is it depends on the soil. It depends on your heart. So let's just look at the two that don't make it. All right? He who receives the word of the seed in the stony places is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They're glad. They hear the word. They're like, praise God. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Miracles, healing. Hallelujah. Hey, enthusiasm is good, but enthusiasm is no guarantee. Right? Yet, he has no root in himself. He endures only for a while when tribulation, persecution arise for the word's sake. Immediately, they stumble. Right? They, they stumble. They get offended. Right? And again, enthusiasm is wonderful, but it's not a guarantee. Right? Because these people don't count the cost. They're just looking at heaven and blessing and healing and miracles. But they don't need, realize that there are some things they're going to have to leave from the other, other kingdom. People, priorities, maybe habits. And they get offended. They get offended. They say the, it costs too much to follow Jesus. Now, when people get offended, here's usually what happens. They find out that Jesus decides to populate his kingdom with people. People. People that let you down. Imperfect people. People that hurt you. Hypocrites. <sighs> you see, what we want is we want the kingdom to just me, Jesus, God, and a half a dozen butler angels to get all the stuff I want. Right? But Jesus has you in the kingdom with people that let you down imperfect people that can hurt you. And so here's what they do. They, they get hurt. They don't forgive. I mean, you know Jesus said to forgive? Right? And they say, well, I love Jesus. It's just people. It's just the church. I know so many people. They used to go to church. They got offended. And they say, oh, I love Jesus. It's just people I don't like. It's just the church. Right? You know, you have literally become a casualty, a Matthew 13, 21 casualty, and have left the kingdom. The kingdom of God is experienced in the community of the church. Right? That's where the context of the community. And, and literally, we tend to have this crazy idea that there is just this promise to me and Jesus alone. But you won't find that in the Bible. The first thing that happens when someone comes into the kingdom, the Bible says is the Holy Spirit puts you into the body, the church, the church. And Jesus is building the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So re we realize Jesus invites imperfect people into the kingdom. And all you need to do is look at the mirror, and you'll know it's true. Because you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. All right? So what do we need to do? What Jesus did. Jesus said it's impossible that no offense comes. It is impossible that no offense comes. But we need to forgive. Then verse 22. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. Now, this person falls away by seduction. Right? Now, it takes longer. But it's just as deadly as an offense. Right? Little by little. Uh, the Bible gives us a great example of this. 
in the Old Testament, Lot is separated from Abraham. And he goes in the valley where Sodom is, a wicked city. And it says that he went pitching his tent towards Sodom. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time. And finally, he's sitting in the gates. It didn't happen in a day or a week or a month or probably a year. But just a little bit at a time, he kept getting a little more comfortable with the wickedness that was going on in that city until finally there he was. Jesus said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, right? enter in and choke the word of God, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, the deceitfulness of riches, uh, we, we, know, we know it's a lie. We, we know when, 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 because the deceitfulness of riches doesn't come to rich people, it comes to all people, all right? And this is what it says. If you just had more money, well, you'd be happy, you'd be fulfilled, you'd be satisfied, you'd be successful, you'd be respected if you just had more. I would be somebody if I just had, put the noun out there, all right? See, the deceitfulness of riches, what it wants to do is it wants to make the pursuit of money and things, the number one pursuit in your life. And any time that anything becomes the number one pursuit in your life, it's an idol. But Jesus said, no one can serve God and money. Nobody can. See, either the money's going to be number one pursuit or God's going to be number one pursuit. Because money can get so many things that we should be relying upon God for. Right? Yet so many people are seduced by the lie. Right? If I just had put the number, put the thing in there, I'd be, I'd be content. I'd be successful. I wouldn't hurt. Okay? The fool believes that money can give meaning to life. The fool believes money can give meaning. The fool believes that money can change their life. Money is just a tool. It's a great tool. It's useful, but it's a terrible master. Now, with that said, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that he richly gives us all things to enjoy. Right? When God blesses you with something, enjoy it. Don't hide it. Enjoy it. God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't want you to worship the blessing. He wants you to worship the blesser. Right? So he richly gives us all things to enjoy. But money will try to seduce every person and tell them, if you just had money, you would be successful. If you had money, you'd be happy, you'd be fulfilled, you'd be satisfied, you would be somebody. Now, I know you're probably not one of the people that never started. But you could be one of the people who gets offended and falls away. Or one of the people who gets seduced by wealth and the things of this world. And Jesus even said it, the desire for other things. We just put something else as more important than the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Christianity is a kingdom. And today is the time of grace when anybody can come and be a part of the kingdom. But the day will come when the kingdom will be enforced. 
when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. There is another kingdom, and Satan is the king of that kingdom. He's the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world system. But we are translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of the Son of God. Now, if you've been offended, I want to encourage you, forgive, forgive, forgive. And don't believe the lies of the deceitfulness of riches. And don't think that the kingdom of God is just about you and God and a bunch of angels to take care of what you want. Because it's not. Jesus is building the truth, the church. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that if Jesus tarries for 10 years or 20 years or 40 years, that you will never be seduced. You'll never be offended. But you'll be one of those who produce fruit in the kingdom of God. 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Say, so would you please bow your heads for just a moment? But I'm going to ask you, if you can, could you take the hands of somebody that's next to you? Take their hand. I was reading this because God is for me. This I know because God is for me. So many people believe that God is not for them, that God is mad at them, that they've done something, that they've gone too far, that God, it's too late for them. But this is what I know. I know that God loves you. I know that it's not too late. I know that God is reaching out to you. And what you think is God mad at you is the devil lying to you. He's the one who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God wants to save your soul. He wants to save us from this perverse generation. He wants us to become a part of his kingdom, not just go to heaven. Yeah, go to heaven. But he wants his kingdom to come in your life today. He wants to make you new on the inside. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, wrote this. He said, God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. You'll call on me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Now, as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, if you do have that hand, thank you. If, if you're not right with God today, you're away from the Lord, you don't know where you stand with God, we're going to pray together. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be taken out of that kingdom of darkness, put into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And God's kingdom is going to begin to operate in your heart and in your life. So I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I receive him as my king. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for my king every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. 
that my past is gone, that you take me out of the kingdom of darkness and you put me in the kingdom of your son. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're still holding that hand, if you just prayed that prayer and you prayed that prayer from your heart and you say, I just came back to God or I just gave my heart to Jesus and I just became a part of his kingdom. I'm forgiven. I'm going to live for him. If that's you, when I say three, squeeze that hand. One, two, three, squeeze that hand. I prayed that prayer. I meant it. I received Jesus. He is my king and I'm going to live for him. Squeeze that hand. Now, someone squeeze your hand when I say three. Would you please lift it? One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up. Thank you. 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 God bless you. Other seven. I count seven or eight hands. It's amazing. Amazing. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.